The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Tuesday, December 14th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's Hawkeye. Please welcome my co-host, Priscilla Rocha. Pull me up! <laughs> yes. Well, actually, I'll cut you down. You can follow the Christmas lights. <laughs> and <laughs> Professor X. You seem like you're a reasonably not stupid guy. I try. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 4, which was titled Partners, Am I Right? Question mark. And debuted uh, December 8th, 2021 via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Secrets are revealed about a key suspect in the mystery, while hard truths emerge about Hawkeye and his past. But as Clint and Kate's partnership finally takes off, their efforts to uncover more of the story result in a stunning and confusing battle against not one but two opposing forces. Dun-dun-dun. Okay. An interesting episode. I would say a talky episode. But certainly I would also say a good episode that sets up the final third of the series as we get closer and closer to the Christmas deadline for one Mr. CB1. So let's talk about the episode, and because it was a very talky episode, we'll actually go in the order of, uh, of things in, in this episode. Let's start off where we left off with, uh, I believe the professor called it an anticlimactic cliffhanger, but we pick up directly when uh, the, the Ronin uh, sword uh, is placed on Clint's neck. Uh, there's... There's a whole bunch of whole bunch of, because not only is Jack there, but Eleanor's there, and uh, we have a very awkward convo between the four of them at the dinner table. Um, Priscilla, you were not here with us last week, so I'll start off with you. What did you think of the opening sequence with the four of them at the table, and if you want to talk a little bit about... Eleanor and Hawkeye's one-on-one at the elevator, you can as well. I thought that 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 part of the scene was really awkward. It was just, I don't know. I found myself looking away from the screen, just feeling like the residual awkwardness of the moment, just being like, God dang, like you can't even say that that you're a partner because Hawkeye's just kind of lambasting that moment with you and you can't even say that you're friends because Hawkeye is just kind of like brushing you off too and there you can't even reason away what you were doing or why you were researching your your mother's Beyonce now because it just it just everything looks suspicious and everything's pointed towards you and Everyone knows what the hell you were doing, but you can't skirt around it. And it's just hella awkward. I just, I felt bad for poor, for poor Kate. But, um, I wanted to say that I loved the scene between Kate's mom and clint because that showed that showed metal that showed that she has kind of like 
an iron backbone that she's like a good mom that she's like I don't want my mom I don't want my daughter involved in your superhero shenanigans but it also shows that she's suspicious because why would you not trust her to look around in your backstory if you have nothing to hide then it wouldn't matter right hmm okay all right you gave her props but you also leveled up the suspiciousness which, okay, I, I can dig that. Professor, your take on uh, the Eleanor and uh, Clint scene at the elevator, and let's uh, dive a little deeper into the next scene as well, when we have uh, uh, both Jack and Eleanor talking about Kate to her face, basically, like right in front of her. She's obsessed with Hawkeye. She's been since a child, this, that, and the other, and if I met Huey Lewis, like all of that. But then we had a moment where we softened both of those characters. Like, we've been hella suspicious about both Eleanor and Jack. But they had a tender moment, dancing, you know, laughing at... You know, some of the linguistical quirks of of Jack. Um, did the softening work a little bit, or did it, did it make them both more suspicious to you, Professor? Oh, I thought it was. It, I, I, I'm still, you know, uh, very suspicious of Eleanor. I'm I'm still even less suspicious of Jack, quite frankly. Uh, I still think she's put him on the. Uh, um, as the CEO, and, and he probably doesn't even know about her. He's, you know, CEO in name only. Uh, but I thought it was it was delightful. Um, before we get to that, though, uh, so, um, you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but when uh, Jack was there slurping his coffee, did you notice the pattern on his mug? Wait, is this serious? Texas, which means the Scarlet Witch is involved. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Um, no, I, I, I really like that. I think the um, the awkwardness of it could have even played up because, you know, leaving aside the fact that he's, um, you know, he's he's Archer, um, which, by the way, not a bad name compared with with Hawkeye. Um, there's the fact that, you know, this middle aged guy is hanging out with your 22 year old daughter. Um, you know, I think any parent would be a little skeeved out at that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm totally on uh, on Eleanor's side. The scene by the. Um, uh, the, uh, the elevator was great, uh, you know, really showing, you know, uh, I, I think regardless of what we find out about Eleanor as a person, I don't think there's going to be any question that she is uh, a caring mother and a mother who wants to protect her child. And it, I think that certainly came out, uh, in that scene. So I don't think there's going to be any sense that that's not going to be the case. Uh, and in fact, you know, we do get, you know, uh, Eleanor making a mysterious phone call to someone else uh, a little later on, which I think is, again, just showing uh, the level of, uh, of Eleanor's, uh, you know, devotion to, uh, uh, to uh, her daughter. But I really like the scene where, you know, because you have, you know, and, and again, it's sort of like, you know, um, uh, Kate has this sense that, you know, the new guy, he must be bad. Um, but he's really making Eleanor happy, and it did seem like she's happy in a way that Eleanor has not been for a while. Uh, and one of the things I love is the way that Haley Steinfeld is playing it, because she's playing it as the daughter who, you know, is, of course, obviously suspicious of the new guy in her mom's life. But she manages to play it in the sense that, you know, she's looking at them dancing and actually sort of softening up uh, to Jack. And later on, you know, when Jack is uh, is offering to get Eleanor a cup of tea and he asks her, uh, asks Kate, uh, you know, do you want anything? She actually says, no, thank you. Uh, whereas before, you know, in the previous three episodes, I'm sure it just would have been no or a grunt. Um, so I don't know that it necessarily means that she's softening up to Jack, but I think that, you know, everything we're being, we're being shown about Jack, um, suggests that he's, he's a decent guy. And, and I really enjoyed the scene of the two dancing together in the serenade. And of course, uh, you know, Jack's, uh, malapropisms, uh, you know, he's just, he's, he's, he's so charming. Now he could turn out to be an absolute, uh, you know, uh, monster villain, uh, who's, who's played us all for fools. But um, uh, if so, there, there really hasn't been much to, to justify it. We haven't gotten those moments of his sneakiness uh, that, that would pay off on that later. Do we think shit's going to go down at the Bishop holiday party? Bishop security holiday party? Oh, yeah, I think you wouldn't mention it otherwise. Yeah, I think okay. there definitely has to be something. And the big question for both of you, who is she talking to on the phone? Someone that we already know, or is it that regal man that we haven't name-dropped yet? 
Uh, you know, first viewing, I thought it was Kingpin, but no, it's Val. It's who? Val, Countess. Oh, no shit. Really? You know, that actress? Well, think about how else that, that, would yeah, that uh, actress. Yelena know to have uh, uh, shown up there right then. Wow. You blew my mind with that one. Because I didn't even put Val into the mix. Well, not, well I wouldn't have. But then yeah. when, um, uh, when Yelena showed up later... Who would have contact with Yelena? So, in fact, I mean, time-wise, it could be that you know that phone call um, actually happened right before the uh, the closing, the uh, the post-credit scene of Black Widow. That's fascinating. Okay, all right. Okay, you blew my mind with that one. Uh, it would also explain, you know, the kind yeah. of a uh, you know a, a little hanging plot point from the end of Black Widow is, you know, why was Val trying to uh, to steer Elena towards uh, killing Clint Barton? Well, now we've got our answer. Okay, I hope I hope you get proven to be correct because that yeah. sort of sinks I, up I beautifully. It was Val too. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Both of y'all blowing my mind, and I love it. Fantastic. Okay, so let's have a holly jolly Christmas, because uh, Kate, after hearing, you know, I don't know if it necessarily was a trigger that that they were discussing, you know, family and and Christmas and this and that and the other, but she heads on over to Clint, and they have their own little holly jolly Christmas together. I'm gonna save the conversation with Laura for in a moment because I have a big question about that. So let's focus on the Christmas shenanigans and hijinks at uh, at Kate's aunt's apartment. Are we ever gonna meet Kate's aunt? Stay tuned. I don't know, uh, but let's talk about it. There, there were a whole bunch of uh, alcoholic slushies. It was very talky, but it was all very interesting. And then it did take a bit of a dark turn with a couple of revelations. Number one, about how Clint and Natasha met, as well as uh, Kate figuring out that Clint, Hawkeye, was the Ronin. And uh, Ronin was his way to cope when his family blipped. So let's talk about the light and the darkness in this sequence at uh, Kate's aunt's apartment. Professor, let's start off with you. Well, I like the fact that, uh, you know, she did figure it out, that it didn't require, you know, because Clint would not have said, you know, would not have come right out and said, you know, I'm Ronnie. So it was hinting at it when he was talking about, you know, having been a weapon and all of that. It also was a good payoff to a line earlier in the episode when they were, you know, sitting around the table and uh, and Kate was just, you know, being Kate, um, and uh, and sort of playing the uh, you know the, the happy little dog to uh, to Clint's uh, you know uh, big silent dog, uh, and when she was saying you know he he acts like he's not giving anything away, but I can figure it out, and it turns out hey she actually could, she did manage to figure that out from context quite well. Um, lots of great fun, you know the whole idea, you know she is paying attention, she does realize you know the consequences of what she's done that. Um, Oh, that, uh, you know, Clint is away from his family because of her. Uh, she feels guilty about that. So she's trying to, you know, make it a good uh, a Christmas for them. Uh, there were some great moments. The dry erase scene was fantastic. Um, the, um, oh, the, uh, when he was teaching her how to, uh, you know, uh, you know, flick the ornament, uh, you know, I'm sure that will pay off at some point. Uh, you know, 100% the the right. Um, but and, and they actually, you know, the fact that she was able to do that, like she didn't ever, ever hit pizza dog, you know, she didn't smash the TV or anything like that. I thought that was, you know, a good moment for Kate uh, to to pick up that skill so quickly. So I thought it was it was, you know, very heartwarming and, and did set up the fact that, you know, uh, you know, if, if you hadn't had the, that moment of them bonding and, and talking and, and getting to know each other, uh, there's no way that Clint would have told the story about, you know, the shot he didn't take, um, which, of course, is, again, just a reminder of. Uh, of Natasha and we got Natasha in a flashback and you know again that was sort of setting up for you know the the introduction of Elena Yelena later in the episode as well as what happened to Kate well yes 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 we will be talking about all of that uh Priscilla your take on the Christmas shenanigans as well as uh, the deeper conversation that was had between Clint and Kate 
And do you, much like the professor, and I would also say myself, think that uh, the, uh, the the little uh, flick thing that she learned will uh, be used uh, later on in the series before it wraps up? Definitely. They're going to use it to, like, escape from somewhere, to use it to flick a switch or something like that some sometime in the future. But, um... I think one of the funniest parts of the entire episode was when she was using the Sharpie and they were like, that's not dry erase marker, is it? And she just covers it up with a tree <laughs> and just moves on with, and with the conversation as if nothing happened. I, I loved right. that moment. It was super cute. But, um, yeah, the, the whole holiday party that they had together was super, like... It was charming and sweet, and the fact that they, that Clint taught her something, like he's warming up to Kate, he's not being just the big dog to Kate's, like, little yappy dog anymore, he's actually being a mentor, he's actually teaching her something, and then as soon as that happens, when she starts talking about about the shot not taken and then after that when they get into the Ronin situation he shuts down and I was like no one step forward two steps back damn it it was a good moment I think for both of them in general the lightness of that sequence I'm glad that the Ronin reveal was done in the way that it was with Kate kind of understanding it and not flipping out. Um, they could have gone the other way, where, you know, this is a person that we know is her idol, in a sense. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, the, the whole, what was the name of the first episode? Never Meet Your Heroes, or something like that. Um, it could have been a Never Meet Your Hero situation, where she could have been disappointed, and it could have taken a, a different turn that could have derailed uh, some of the episode, and I'm glad that they had her be understanding. You know, it was during the blip, you know, he was still, you know, he might have been out killing people and that sort of thing, but he was killing, like, bad people, so she kind of got it. And even though Hawkeye still has a lot of um, PTSD, for lack of a better word, about it, um... You know, he needs to get over that, and, and as we've been discussing, we think that's something that he will uh, uh, fully come to a reckoning with, We at least we hope, by the end of this series. They keep on mentioning Nat Natasha, which I know it's to remind us about Yelena, but um, I, I do wonder if he's going to get some sort of closure with that, because it still seems like a fresh wound. Uh, because it is, uh, sort of. Well, no, not really. It's been a, a year since people have de-blipped, or maybe months, but five years. So it's still, well, well, it could still be fresh. I mean, that was his best bud. Well, and, and I don't mm -hmm. think it's something that you get over. I mean, in the same way that, you know, when he was, you know, closing his eyes, he had the flashbacks to, you know, losing Natasha, as well as, you know, the flashback to the trauma of losing his family. So he's still not over that. He's still yeah. not over the, uh, you know, what he did as Ronan. Uh, I think, you know, um, there, there is really, you know, we talked about it last week, a lot of PTSD going on for Clint Barton or CB1. And, uh, and he's going to have to come to terms with that. You know, and again, you're still getting that with his discomfort with with being a hero and uh, and and you know arguing that he's just a weapon when he's you know in the right hands pointing in the right direction. Um, you know, it, it it makes sense, but uh, you know he is really beating himself up. You know, and we've said that since the first episode, he doesn't feel he's worthy of of the attention or the uh, the adulation or anything like that. He sees himself as just a guy doing a job, basically. True. Yes. Which I wonder if there's going to be some evolution with that, but. Stay tuned. So, let's talk about Laura. Laura knows a whole lot about a whole lot of stuff, which is fascinating. We see a phone call between them. She ends up getting intel for him about Kazi, about Sloan, about the tracksuit mafia. We hear her speaking, I believe that was German. We hear her speaking in German. Uh, so that the kids yeah. would understand what she's saying. She talks about that watch that we saw way back in the first episode. 
I will say this. I thought the watch was like Tony's watch. Like Tony Stark. Because they talked about the Avengers compound and this, that, or the other. So I thought it was like a Stark watch. Um, but it turns out it's not a Stark watch. Uh, for some reason, Laura is able to track the beacon on it. We get a little intel that it has to deal with with someone that was in the field, but is no longer in the field, but is but has a whole bunch of, let's say, maybe metadata on it that can identify said person. I'll just ask in a very blunt way, was Laura a, a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? Do we think of she is? She was. Okay. Uh, did Laura we think that? Well, here's the question: Did we think this at all about Laura before this episode? No. Okay. No. Although it is interesting, like in this series, you know, we have gotten more of Linda Cardellini, and by the way, yay, more Linda Cardellini. Anything for more of that is great. Um, but there was that little thing, you know, when he was talking to her on the phone about the tracksuit mafia, and she sort of sighs and goes, "Oh, those losers," you know. And it did give a sense that you know Linda is not just you know uh, you know some you know she obviously has experience. You know, she knows everything that Clint is up to. Uh, you know, she she knows his backstory. And she knows all about the Ronin, and so. I think that they were setting that up nicely, but yeah, in this case, definitely, um, you know, uh, was she the original, you know, the Mockingbird, and of course, you know, Bobby Morse was Mockingbird in the comics, and they were married, uh, at least briefly, during the West Coast Avengers days, um, so I think there is something to that, and uh, honestly, I'm, I, much as I don't want to see Clint's family get in danger, I think if the tracksuit mafia shows up at their house and, and Linda Cardellini beats their asses, that is something I would be here for. I would 100% as well. Uh, yes, the, the leading theory online is that she is maybe the OG Mockingbird, uh, which is fascinating. Uh, yes, I, I'm kind of here for that. Uh, we've, we haven't had Mockingbird on, uh, well, this is Disney+, Plus, so I can't say the big screen, but this is, it's all connected, so this is technically a part of the big screen. Um, so this is going to be fascinating to watch. Okay, so we're all on the same page in regards to that. So uh, moving right along, let's talk about our favorite LARPers because they got brought into the mix <laughs> yet again. I, I mean, just the payoff of, of this sort of like side story is fantastic. We meet a few more of them. We are given some additional names. Uh, while uh, Clint is interrogating or uh, threatening slash warning Kazi, we'll talk about that in a moment, we see uh, Kate uh, being assigned to go to the LARPers because, you know, they have to actually get the arrows back. You know, the, he, he does have a few more trick arrow heads, but he actually needs the arrows back and uh, he's tracked them to an NYPD evidence locker and uh, they have a connection with the LARPers that might be able to help. Turns out they will help. Um, but as Grill said, you know, you might have to do a little something for us, make it worth our while. And, uh, and they do. Uh, well, at least Kate promises to provide them with material for costumes as long as they can also make two additional ones. Uh, and there is a fantastic little moment when uh, Officer Wendy returns with the arrowheads uh, in her own little, like, duffel bag tote type of thing that her wife made for her. And uh, clearly, we're going to have to get the, the duffel bag, the bombshell duffel bag, back at a certain point. So we will be seeing our LARPers again. Uh, Professor Yelda Woohoo, you love the LARPers. Talk to me about everything LARP. Well, I, I thought it was so great to to reintroduce the LARPers. It could have been just a one-off joke, uh, you know, with uh, with Clint's, uh, you know, awkwardness there. But what I like is it ended up being a payoff because Clint did go there. And even though he was uncomfortable doing it, he did play along, uh, you know, and, and, you know, respected their rules, respected their way. And as a result, they're now allies. They're helping them out. And uh, I love the bombshell moment. And uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I would not be surprised to see the, uh, the LARPers uh, uh, play a not insignificant role uh, in the future. Same. I mean, clearly we're going to have to see them again. I mean, they've been so fantastic. So I I'm here for it. And if we have any other NYC sets series like i hope that they just show up at some point like it would just be so much fun like they're they are fun 
characters. Priscilla, I'm going to bring you into the combo, but also want to add in what Clint was doing while Kate was LARPing it up. He goes to see Kazi uh, because, you know, he he knows who he is. He knows that he's been sort of like the second in command ever since uh, Maya's father was in the mix. And he basically delivers a warning to him. You know, the Ronin is a ghost. Uh, Maya is going to get herself killed if she keeps on poking around. And that he is, you know, he knows the business that he's involved in. He knows his boss and that his boss doesn't really want this kind of attention. So he needs to basically steer Maya away from this. What'd you think of the LARPing sequence with Kate as well as what Clint was up to during that time? I thought the way that they entered the LARPing sequence was funny as hell because I just couldn't help but compare the two, how Clint enters the LARPing and he's really hesitant, just kind of embarrassed and just like, oh, I don't want to do this. But Kate enters it and she's like gung-ho, just like, yes, I'm like, what do you want me to do? I'm ready for anything. Let's let's go. Like, she's ready even at, even at the very beginning when they're just doing sword practice outside at the ver- at, at, in the park to join in and play she just she's really eager for anything to do to do with being a hero even if it means being a fake hero for a little while and i love that about her and i'm hoping that they're the ones that design the new costume and that the new costume is badass but, um, oh, same. As, I hope it's a badass costume. I feel like it's going to be. As far as um, the scene with Clint and Kazi, I totally don't think that's going to work. Because you're basically telling this guy who's never found anything for um, Maya to chase after, who's finally gotten a bone in this giant quest of hers, hey... Don't go on this quest of her. Don't go on this quest anymore. That's just gonna egg him on and fire him up even more. I like he's he's he did the exact opposite of what you should what you should have done. You should have just ignored it. Kazi's not gonna tell her no. Kazi's gonna tell her yes. Oh, so, I disagree. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, Professor. No, I I disagree. I think Clint was actually playing you know the best card he had. Which is, you know, uh, you know, because Kazi, you know, he he realizes that Kazi is, you know, an established guy. He's been there for what six years or something like that. He clearly has, you know, a relationship of some level of trust uh, with Maya. So, you know, he's probably playing into, as he said, you know, he doesn't want, you know, the, let's be, let's stop playing around the bush. He doesn't want the kingpin. Doesn't want to be seen. Doesn't want to be seen doing, you know, anything public or drawing attention to that. And that's what Maya's getting in trouble. So he's talking to the one person he can talk to who might be able to get through to Maya, but also invoking the kingpin, uh, you know, as as uh, you know, sort of a boss level threat. Uh, you know, if uh, if Maya isn't willing to listen to him or if Kazi isn't willing to listen to him, he's basically, you know, giving Kazi a reason to do an end run around Maya uh, and go to the kingpin uh, to get this done. So I think it was a very smart play because he knows he's not going to get anywhere with uh, with Maya and he he doesn't want to kill anyone. He doesn't want to kill her, you know, or or kill anyone for that matter. So this is, you know, sort of, you know, going with the way he's he's trying to, uh, you know, uh, deescalate as much as he can. Um, and I think, you know, Kazi is uh, is his only chance of doing that. Okay. Priscilla, do you have a rebuttal to the professor's rebuttal? No, I can, okay. I can see where he's coming from with that. Okay. This is a question that I want to ask you, Priscilla, because I asked this to the professor last time, and uh, and he said no. But after seeing this episode, I, I want to revisit the question with you. So, in the previous episode, we get Maya's backstory, and uh, part of her backstory includes seeing her father die, and it appears as if it's the Ronin that kills him. Oh, God, you're doing this again. I know, I'm doing it again. Because the thing is, because I've read online that there is a storyline in the comics where Kingpin has Maya's father killed. So, I want to ask you, Priscilla... 
because we never saw Clint's face, and I know it's from the POV from Maya. I understand it. But do you think for sure Clint, as Ronan, killed Maya's father? Well, in doing what he was doing, which is cleaning up bad guys, and clearly Maya's father was involved with bad people. Or do you think we'll get a storyline where it we will find out somehow as we're introduced to Kingpin, which clearly he's on his way. Do you think we'll find out that Kingpin was involved in Maya's father's death? Uh, you're talking about the chameleon, right? But him hiring him to kill his dad and to, and using like stand-ins for other superheroes. Cause I've read that before, but I don't think they're go- necessarily going in, in that route with this one because the Ronin seriously was bloodthirsty. He did kill people to try and find his way. And he, Clint basically agreed that he killed tracksuits to try and find the leader at the time. Okay. So now I don't necessarily I, I, I'm that no, he, I'm not he, going to indulge. I'm not going to indulge Jeff's crazy idea, but I am going to point out the idea that, you know, we have talked about, we know that Echo is getting her own series. Correct. And it would be difficult for her to get a series as just the leader of the, uh, the, uh, the, the tracksuit mafia. Correct. Um, so if she did find out the Kingpin was in some way involved in her father's death, um, then that would give her uh, a bit of a chance at a face turn. Um, so, I mean, there is that possibility there, but the fact that, you know, from her, flashback she could see ronan dancing around killing people and the fact that you know clint i think you know it was obviously familiar with with the i keep calling him trench coat mafia the tracksuit mafia um yeah i just think that's that's a stretch okay i it's a question we'll see what ends up happening but uh i wasn't curious to hear Priscilla's take on it. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm here for anything. Uh, I'm I'm just excited we might see that man um, soon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, whether he get, ends up getting exposed or he sort of like hides uh, in the shadows and pops up somewhere else, uh, uh, whatever ends up happening, it, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Speaking of a watch, uh, we get a ping on the watch, and uh, Mockingbird, or sorry, uh, Laura, ends up sending Clint a text. Now, here's the thing, because, Professor, you're the one that sort of made me hip to the concept that only good people in movies and TV shows, they have iPhones, right? And bad people... Yes, Apple will only allow a hero to use an iPhone. Okay, so bad people have Android and everything else. Now, that's that's not to say it's it's absolute. I mean, um, now that people are becoming aware of this, I think some, uh, you know, uh, filmmakers may actually choose to give people Android phones just to throw us off the scent. Oh, okay, because I was about to be a little shady here. Because we clearly saw Clint text Laura with an iPhone device, because it was the blue little screen, the blue bubble, I should say. But then when she texted him back, it was a green bubble, which means she does not have an iPhone. Hmm. So you're saying she's Mephisto? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, so she ends up texting him back. (laughs) (laughs) They have the address. And there's, like, this whole bit of banter, like, across the street of, like, I'm going to go do this, and it's going to take me three minutes, and this, that, or the other. But Kate ends up just crossing the street, helps an, an elderly man with his groceries, and gets in the elevator up to the the apartment that she needs to. She also creeps the old man out when she says she's talking to an Avenger that's in her ear. <laughs> so he kind of skedaddles. And once she enters, she um, there, there end up being some strobe lights, and uh, she ends up finding the watch, but she also finds that said person of this apartment has a detailed list of Clint, his wife's name, children's ages, and all that kind of stuff, and then they realize that is Maya's apartment. Um, and so 
Kate starts fighting Maya. Clearly, we heard Clint fighting someone else. He thinks he's fighting Maya, but he is not. It's an epic fight on the roof of some building in New York City. We have a brief Natasha moment with Kate that I felt maybe was a bit too much. I was like, oh God, this poor man is going to need therapy after all this. Um, and we we find out that uh, mysterious person is Yelena from the Black Widow movie. Listeners, if you had no idea who that woman was, I suggest you go see on Disney+. Plus. It is available for your viewing pleasure. The Black Widow film, so that it's understandable to you. Um, so at the end of it all, uh, we have Maya sort of uh, 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 slither away. She's a villain right now, so I can say slither. And uh, we have a brief moment where Kate was going to shoot Yelena with an arrow, but she does like a uh-uh, and uh, does a fantastic, uh, uh, you know, leap exit type of thing. And Clint basically tells um, Kate, you you can't be involved in this. Like, it's got to the point to where, you know, I, I have been marked by the Black Widow. Somebody wants me dead. Um, you can no longer be involved in this. So that's how the episode ends. So let's talk about this fight sequence of, you know, from one apartment to the roof of a building. I mean, there was a lot going on. So let's talk about it all. Priscilla, we'll start off with you. Oh my god, that was awesome! I love that. From them honoring the fact that, like, deaf people, when they use alarm systems, they use the the flashing lights, which I thought was pretty cool. The fact that they used that and that they remembered, and Maya came out of nowhere and started fighting um, Kate, and the fact that the grappling like the the dash to the other rooftop wasn't as smooth, smooth as it yeah. should have been so good because was... it felt real because she's not going to be that smooth you know yeah and i loved that that fight scene with the black widow like it just it looked so freaking good and i loved the part where where Kate almost fell and she's like, pull me up, pull me up. And and he's like, nope, you're, you're, you're going to get out of this fight. And the, the first thing she does is just starts walking up the building to help him out again. No, but the walk she's was fantastic. Stubborn. Yes, it was like a petulant child. He was, She was like almost, I could have seen her stomping, you know, up the steps because she was pissed. You know, that daddy was like, you cannot play with those toys anymore. Like it was fantastic how she did that because it was so funny yeah I, and i like the little like the little shake of the head that yelena gave her where he, she's like uh-uh-uh don't shoot that arrow i'm gonna shove it up your ass i love that i like the priscilla subtitles for that scene because i don't really get all that but i I, li- I liked your interpretation of what yelena <laughs> said that's nice. Uh, maybe I see if my Disney Plus has the Priscilla subtitles for when I watch the next episode. That was good, Professor. I want to bring you into the convo. Your thoughts on uh, you know the the big fight that ended the episode and our you know mysterious friend showing up again, friend or foe? You know, I I wasn't as crazy about the fight simply because I think you know last episode we talked about you know. There was the fight scene and then the the car chase, and it was done during the light of day. So I think it was so much more spectacular uh, that way that, you know, when you're shooting at night and you're shooting everything in close-ups rather than long, uninterrupted one-takes, you know, it you can hide a lot of stuff and you can, you know, mask a lot of stuff. Um, so, I mean, it was a perfectly adequate fight, but it didn't blow me away in quite the same way. I kind of wondered about, uh, you know, Yelena's uh, – I'm, I'm glad now that we have the subtitling because – Apparently, I wasn't watching with the right subtitling. Um, but it was weird that, you know, because Kate does have her dead to right. She's pointing the arrow at her. And Yelena just gives her the look that says, don't do that. 
Um, and that could be a reference back to, you know, uh, Clint earlier in the episode saying, you know, his his best shot was the one he didn't take. And then you know, somewhat ironic that even though they don't know this is uh, Natasha's sister, the shot she didn't take uh, was at Elena. And it's clearly not a reluctance to shoot people full of arrows because she did it to Echo. Uh, you know, just, you know, moments earlier, she shot Echo with an arrow who basically just ripped it out and walked away. <laughs> I um, know, right? Good Lord, what the hell is Echo's deal? That's that's crazy. Badass. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, it, it was a perfectly good fight scene. I, I did like the idea that, you know, and, and like you uh, mentioned, you know, with Kate when she is cut down, you know, she didn't race up to the, you know, she just marched in there absolutely, like you say, like a petulant child. And, again, that is, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, uh, last week about Kate's, uh, you know, character arc is going to have to be her growing and developing. Uh, it, it, you know, takes me back to something that, you know, Eleanor said in the first episode, you know, you've always been young and rich and you think you're indestructible as a result. And, you know, it was up until the end of this episode that she was still doing that, you know, especially, you know, uh, when they were on the uh, uh, on the roof, you know, looking in and Clint was trying to, you know, give her the knowledge that she wants. He's explaining how you case the joint and it's more important to have a quick exit than a, a quick entrance and, and all that stuff. And meanwhile, she's just wandered over and has, you know, strode in on her own uh you know in in a very public way so you know and and even you know they even have you know a line that clint says something to the uh the, the point of that you know uh how she's using her her immaturity and experience uh, as a shield and she says yeah basically um and so i think that's why you know you had to have the breakup of the team by the end of the episode she couldn't keep doing that especially in this sort of, you know, high intensity. So I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to see a much more serious Kate Bishop in the next episode. She's going to have to demonstrate some sense of having grown up, realizing she's not indestructible, you know, realizing you know, that, the, that the stakes here are very real and very high. Uh, and uh, we're going to have to see some growth on her part. I like that take. I wonder if we can see that and have it be believable over the next two episodes. Um, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, I'm here for it, though. Uh, Kate has been fantastic. She's fun. Um, I, I don't want her to lose some of the fun if they have to, um, make her a little bit more mature. Um, I, I don't think we will. But I'm here for character growth. Uh, we certainly have a lot that we have to see unfold over the next third of the series. We have two episodes left. We still have many questions that need to be answered. Um, first of all, who killed Armand the third? There's that. Uh, how is, or who is Eleanor involved with if she's doing nefarious stuff? Is Jack a nefarious person? Clearly he has no previous connection to Clint. So whatever comic booky stuff, um, you know, is, is not here. Um, he was called Sword Boy as support to Swordsman. So... There was a little wink. Um, yeah. Uh, will Maya find out the truth? Who is Laura? There's so many questions that need to be asked. I just asked a whole bunch of them myself. Are there any other questions that either of you have that you feel 100% need to be answered before the series wraps? We have two episodes left, a third left, so clearly we're getting... We're getting the final act told over the next two episodes. Is there any, are there any questions that you would like answered? And or do you feel like there's at least a scene that you feel needs to be seen before the series wraps? Uh, I'll start off with the professor. Uh, well, we obviously have to find out what's up with the Rolex. Uh, you know, and, and again, the easiest option is that it's, uh, you know... Um, it's Laura's, but it, it's clearly a man's watch. On the other hand, it could be that, you know, if it's got, you know, sensitive, you know, transmitters and stuff like that. So maybe, or maybe it's a watch that, you know, she gave to Clint, you know, because they were both at S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and, and you know, and it could be S.H.I.E.L.D. tech or something like that. Um, but that would be a great way to, to set up the reveal of that. Um, in terms of the scene that I want to see, I think, you know, as I said, you know, uh, Kate uh, is going to have to kind of go it alone. I, I would suspect, you know, the next episode might be them on parallel tracks, uh, you know, doing their own thing. Um, and, you know, Kate on her own, how will she do it? How can she, you know, uh, find the help that she'll need? 
the LARPers. I, I, I would be willing to bet that, you know, Kate will turn to the LARPers to be her uh, her support staff. And let's face it, they're all emergency workers, you know, so uh, I think that uh, there could be a real good payoff uh, of that. I like it. Priscilla, what about you? Any questions that you feel need to be answered or any scenes that you would like to see uh, in the series before it wraps? Two basically silly ones, which is, will the LARPer ever get back her bombshell bag? And will Dr. Kate never figure out that um, that Clint took his Ronin sword? Oh, okay. oh yeah, that's good. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, Clint did uh, acquire the Ronin sword back, which is good. I mean, he's he has the suits, he's got the sword now. Now, he actually has the watch, although I believe it's on Kate's person. So Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. We're going to need to see a scene where Kate gives it back, or she might get in trouble yeah. because she has the watch. So, Or she might start poking around with it and figure out the... Uh, uh, the thing that Clint doesn't want found out because mm-hmm. she's the one who's got the the, uh, the watch. I would not be half surprised uh, to find out, you know, because Kate will be like, oh, why did you leave me behind? And oh, I just had the stupid watch. Hmm. Let's see what we can do here. That could be uh, an interesting uh, uh, way to set that up. Yes. We did learn in this episode that there were three days left until Christmas. So since we end the episode at night, there are two days left. The only thing that I really want to see outside of just the questions that I had and the questions that all of you have is uh, I need to see Clint back with his family. And I feel like the closing scene will be Clint with his family celebrating Christmas. He'll make it just in time. And I do think that what the professor said before could actually end up happening that Kate shows up with him. I feel like that would be sort of like a full circle moment for them because Clint still seems kind of apprehensive to have Kate involved in anything, even though they had the bonding moments during uh, the ugly Christmas sweater movie marathon, a uh, holiday slushy montage. Uh, I think the full warming up to Kate will be part of Clint's, story. Will Eleanor and Jack be there? Uh, it depends on where they fall in at the end of the series, if they're all good or all bad. But I think Kate will have a Barton family Christmas. I, I do think that's going to happen. I feel like that was a, a great prediction, a bold prediction that you made way back, either in the first or the second uh, episode, Professor. All right, everyone. Uh, anything else? Was there anything that I missed? A teeny tiny little moment before we get into the MVP? Pizza Dog was adorable, right? We didn't mention Pizza Dog at all, but Pizza Dog was fantastic, eating the whatever that was, Chex Mix or something. All right, MVP time. The most valuable player, state which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Priscilla, your MVP, y por qué? My MVP is going to go to Yelena because I felt that she was the star of the end of the episode. She was the big bang. She was the big reveal. She was the amazing part of that fight scene. She gave a breath of life to the episode at the end, and she made everything really cool. So, yeah, Yelena. Very nice choice. Professor, what about you? Uh, Kate, uh, you know, again, you know, I've said this a lot, but, you know, the casting of Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop was, you know, one of their best casting choices uh, that they've made. She's, you know, she is absolutely, you know, nailing the character, her really annoying elements, as well as her, you know, uh, better uh, elements as well. And I think, you know, she's approaching it with a lot more subtlety than uh, than a lot of actresses might have. And uh, she's just, you know, she's a delight to watch as she's going through this this process of growing up. Uh, you know, over a very short period of time. And, and I think Haley Steinfeld is doing a great job of that. Another fantastic choice. And I'm going to give the MVP to Clint. I really enjoyed Jeremy Renner in this episode. Uh, so the, the PTSD, the trauma, the, um, you know, the, the heartache that he's still carrying... Um, you know, based off of everything that we've seen happen to him throughout the MCU, was uh, incredibly captured in uh, Jeremy Renner's um, emoting. And, uh, you know, it, it was just beautiful. Um, you know, I really felt for Clint in this episode. And uh, I enjoyed 
seeing his relationship with Kate develop uh, the, the way that it did in this episode. Clearly, we have a bit of a stumble, uh, but uh, you know the the character development, the bonding that they had throughout the episode was really nice. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 arrows? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden quiver. Professor, let's start off with you. Uh, you know, very solid episode. I'm going to give it a 9 uh, for the character stuff. But unlike the previous two episodes, it didn't have that set-piece scene, like the, the car chase or the LARPing scene that, that sort of would bump it up uh, a little bit higher for me. So, you know, great character stuff, but... Yeah, it just felt a little not as overwhelming as the previous two episodes. Okay, so that was a solid nine, correct? Yeah. Okay, solid nine from the professor. Priscilla, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I'm going to give it a nine, too, for much the same reasons that the professor gave the nine, plus the fact that the residual embarrassment from the <laughs> scenes with Kate and the family really like took it out of me the very beginning. So, yeah, a nine. Okay. And I will actually agree with the nine as well. I will disagree with the professor because I did think the fight at the end was really good. So I will give them props for that. But, you know, after a couple of episodes of really good uh, action, you know, we had a couple of action-y episodes and, and that was really nice. And this one was a talky episode. There was a lot of exposition. It really was a lot of conversations, you know, different characters having conversations but it was a very talky episode and i think that's what brings it down for me just a hair although the the tiny reveals that we got were really interesting and, and certainly all the conversations were fodder for us to start theorizing about stuff for the final two episodes um, so at the end of it all I mean, it really was a middle-of-the-season type of episode, an episode that sets things up versus, um, you know, the previous couple of episodes. So, on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Hawkeye, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Priscilla. Good night, everybody. And the professor. Good night, listeners. And if you're missing us, remember, absence makes the heart grow older. It does. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Avengers Initiative Hawkeye every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night.